Hello and thank you for joining us on the Praise Christian Center podcast. I am Pastor Kofi Banfo and I'm here with my wife Jane. We hope you enjoy today's message and are blessed by it. Please remember to connect with us on social media and through our website. Enjoy. That the entrance and the unfolding of your word this morning will bring life. It will bring understanding, Father. It will bring clarity. It will bring stability, strength, and encouragement to the hearts of your people. Father, I thank you that the unction that abides in me will be released like never before. To bring a noun word. I believe this is a noun word from you, Father. An enabling word, an encouraging word. I bind every distraction and obstruction against the word of God. And I thank you, Father, that your word has free course and flow in this place. In the name of Jesus and all the saints said, amen and amen. So I've titled Staying Peaceful in Our Time. And today's session I have titled Don't Lose Your Peace. John 10, 10. I'm going to start with John 10.10. The Bible says this, that what? The thief comes only in order to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I want to focus on the fact that the enemy wants to steal peace. Because peace is a part of your inheritance. And the Bible says he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, he doesn't leave us there. He says, but I am also come that you may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance and to the full until what it overflows believers we still have life somebody say amen. amen he didn't just give us any life he gave us life but he gave it to us what in abundance and he says it is we will overflow from our hearts and it will go into other people's lives it's also what a an enjoyable life so we are supposed to be people who carry the presence and the power of God. But the enemy wants to steal our peace. And you don't have to let him steal your peace. Peace is yours. Satan is a thief. He's a, he's a thief and he, that's all he does. Peace, when he steals your peace, it means he steals your rest. And then the opposite of peace is what? The, the anxiety, the worry, and the stress that comes into our lives. So you have to stay calm. And we're going to look at how to stay calm. How do you stay calm when Jesus has already said, I bequeath to you peace? That means it's your inheritance. You know, when you have an inheritance, you have to open up your inheritance. You have to know the requirements of your inheritance. It's not automatic. You have to what? Claim your inheritance. You can't just let anybody take your inheritance from you. Amen. So come with me to another scripture as we lay a foundation for this. John 14, 27. John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. Peace I leave with you. This is Jesus' parting words. That what he left us with was peace. So everything in our salvation is even encompassed in peace. Peace I leave with you. My own peace. I now give present tense and bequeath to you. 
Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Stop being Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. You notice that the honest is on us. Do not let your hearts be agitated, disturbed. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Aren't you comforted? He says, do not. Because why? Because I have bequeathed. In your born again experience peace into your heart, he says. And you have authorship and governorship of that peace. That means you can allow your heart to be unsettled, disturbed, agitated, or frightened, or even intimidated. Don't. This message I am ministering to you is not a reactionary message to the city of London and what has happened in our city last night. It is a response rather from God that no matter what is happening, he says, I have already before time began in eternity past, eternity present right now, I've left you peace. So he says, hold your peace. One translation sometimes says, it means maintain your peace. Don't allow, he says, anything to unsettle your heart. And in the coming weeks, I will unfold the kind of things that try to come and unsettle us. Even this morning as I was getting ready, I thought of something that one of my daughters didn't do. And guess what? Immediately I was going to be unsettled. And then I, my, I brought myself back. So there's always going to be things that try to steal your peace. And that's what Satan, because if he steals your peace, he puts you in unrest, in anxiety, and it starts over there. And Jesus said, don't, don't allow your heart. What is your heart? I, I, we've shared this before. I've shared it in several of my teachings. Your heart is your will, your mind, and your emotions. He says, don't allow your will to say, oh my goodness, I will, I, I will this, or I will that. Your will wants to do something. Don't allow your thoughts, your mind, to think thoughts that are of evil, foreboding, or that you won't come through your trial or difficulty. So don't allow then he says, don't allow your emotions, which are rising whenever you hear any disturbing news or a trial or a difficulty. So don't even allow your emotions to be agitated. Feel your emotions. Our emotions tell us about, they're like road signs. They tell us, but we can manage them. And Jesus says, don't allow yourself to be agitated. Repose, stay calm and cool in your center. And remaining peaceful and staying calm is not automatic. It's not. And there are steps and things that we're going to share that we need to look at, look at that we can do in order to stay calm. Because you can't stay calm. I've shared several times that Pastor Kofi is always so steady and so calm that sometimes I literally shake him, you know, to ask him when we're going through something, are we in this trial together? You know, because he's just calm. But he's, he has shared with you and he, has shared, he tells me it's because, Jane, I practice. I practice staying calm. Jesus knew what was going to happen in our city this morning. He knows about your trial. He knows. So I'm going to take you to a very familiar psalm, Psalm 23. Psalm 23. 
in the last two years. Yeah, I heard you singing about it this morning as I sat in the back. That's, I'm just so blessed this morning. I am so blessed. I am not afraid. I am not afraid. And I am such a fearful person or used to be a fearful person. You know, I am not afraid. Psalm 23. And that's the psalm that I want to walk you through this morning as part of the teaching. It's not the whole teaching. Psalm 23. You know, in the last two years, I have, I have shared Psalm 23 with a lot of my counseling clients. In, in two years, I find myself going to Psalm 23 a lot. God has been giving me so much insight, revelation. I've been studying it a lot as well. And we're going to read from there and look at what the psalm is. Jesus is the shepherd of our, of our souls. In Psalm 23, if you have time in your own personal time, I'll encourage you to read Psalm 22, 23, and 24. Because Psalm 22 speaks about the cross. You know, a lot of um, Bible commentaries and reviews will, will call Psalm 22 the cross, Psalm 23 salvation, and Psalm 24 the victory and the crowning of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because in Psalm 22, it speaks about, what, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the first opening of that psalm. I don't, want, I don't want to read it all because of time. So, And that is how we feel sometimes in our trial. And David, in, in the Psalms of Lament, also talks about that when he's going through a difficult time. So Jesus himself, that's why he's a, he qualifies to be our high priest. He says, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then Psalm 23, he becomes the shepherd of our souls, and, and he wants to shepherd you. You know, because of this, I've been studying a lot about sheep and about shepherding, and, and, and it's some, I'm discovering, oh my goodness, very interesting things about sheep, about why God calls us sheep. Very interesting and humbled. And, and even if you don't get the teaching and you get the understanding, of the dynamics and the behavior and the characteristics of a sheep, I'm telling you, you will obey your shepherd because you will see certain things about sheep. So let's begin. The Lord is my shepherd to, to feed, guide, and shield me. I shall not lack. I'm going to read it, the whole psalm, then we'll unpack it. The Lord is my shepherd. To feed, guide, and shield me, I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in fresh, tender, green pastures. He leads me beside the still and restful waters. He refreshes and restores my life, myself. And he leads me in the paths of righteousness uprightness and right standing with him, not for my earning it, but for his name's sake. Yes, though I walk through the deep, sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, I will not fear or dread no evil, for you are with me. Your rod to protect. Are you hearing that? And your staff to guide, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Let me just comment on just on that one. Now go back to the beginning. You know what? That's the bad people in your life. That's the bad people who hate our city. God says, I'm going to take care of the baddies. 
You will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you will anoint my head with oil. My brimming cup runs over. That's the abundant life. We have a life that is so much for our own lives. That for us, no matter what happens in our lives, our life is supposed to be run over and touch other people's lives. Are you hearing me this morning? Verse 6, surely only goodness, mercy, and unfailing love shall what? Follow me all the days of my life and through the length of my days. The house of the Lord and his presence shall be my dwelling place. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? So let's look at it. Let me give you something about sheep. You know, the psalmist first begins by saying, David says that the Lord is my shepherd. For him to be your shepherd, then you have to give the ownership and the control of every area of your life to him. You know, the Bible calls him the good shepherd. And he's not only a good shepherd, but what, what did he do? He risked his life for us. Any good shepherd risked their life for the sheep. But in order for you to experience the benefits of him being your shepherd, you have to resign the control of your life. Every area. And it's really whenever we are controlling any aspect of our lives, it's because we are afraid. Because of the unknown. We live with uncertainty even in our lives. And it's really the sense of not knowing tomorrow. If you're not knowing the next hour, that's what makes us hold on to the reins of our life. But he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd means that he's saying in Psalm 22, I spoke about the fact that he already went to the cross. And then he triumphantly rose on the third day and he said, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished or you are finished as Pastor Kofi taught last year. So this is somebody that you and I, Jesus Christ, can hand over the authorship and the rulership of our lives to you and said, good shepherd, I hand my life to you. He has, to, he has proof that he can take care of you. And let me show you four characteristics about sheep, why sheep need to hand over their lives to the shepherd. Sheep, okay, sheep are fearful. They, are, they have a lot of experience, a lot of tension. They have aggravations and hunger. And these four characteristics of sheep makes them panic as well in anything. And so because of that, the shepherd wants to guide them because they're fearful and they're always at tense. It's in the innate characteristic of a sheep. They get tense and they get fearful. Is that like you and I? And they panic. And when the shepherd is trying to lead sheep, and one sheep sees a rabbit or something bold from the, from the woods or the forest, guess what? All the other sheep, not even knowing what the panic was, just run and they follow the other sheep. Not even asking, do you know what happened? They just follow. That's, yeah, that's you and I. Yep. And so, because of that, he says, let me be your shepherd. <laughs> then he says, he, 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 he will feed. That's provision. He will guide. Guidance is the number one thing for us 
as believers, we always want direction. Left, right. Where do I go? He wants to guide us. But are we willing to listen to his guidance? You know, I get lost a lot with navigation. I have taken it to the Lord in prayer. Asking, am I the only woman in London? I found there are others, actually. Who gets lost even with navigation? <laughs> and I'm writing this devotional, and it's called Road Trip. And in it, it's a 365-day devotional. And in it, I share a lot of the stories of my lostness as well. And because God has been speaking to me about lost and direction. And just a few weeks ago, I'm coming from a very familiar place that I go to. And I'm listening to the navigation. And in a moment, I'm on the opposite side of the A406. And my osteopath is here. I was actually coming from my office and got lost forever and hours. And the Holy Spirit said to me, because the Lord and I have been having this banter through the, what I'm writing, he said, it was just a moment's distraction that my people go, of course. Yeah, it was just a moment. Just, it was one lane here, and I looked at something and then didn't see and turned to the other. Just, it was a moment. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, that's what happens to my people, and that's why I want to guide but you see, in order for him to guide you, you have to be tuning and listening. Are you hearing this? And that's why. But sheep already don't have the capability. They're the only animal also, guess what, that can move quickly. And, have the, and also have this innate characteristic also of getting lost and not knowing. Oh my goodness. He says, I want to guide. I want to lead and then guide. I want to lead, Jesus says, and I also guide. The Lord is my shepherd to provide for you and then to shield you. What's that? That's protection from the storm because a lot of animals attack sheep. I already told you that they are fearful, they're timid, they're tense, and they get aggravated very easily. So the shepherd says, I want to shield you. I want to protect you. Psalm 91 verse 1, it was not in my notes, but it says that he who dwells in the secret place of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand, remains stable and strong. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, whose power no foe can withstand will remain stable, secure. We don't lose your peace when you let the good shepherd maneuver you. So whenever you come, of course, you've got to check, are you listening in? The Lord is my shepherd. He wants to be your shepherd. Verse 2. See, I'm taking my time with this. Verse 2 says, He makes me lie down. <laughs> he wants you to lie down. Not physically. He, want, he makes me lie down in fresh, tender, green pastures. He leads me beside the still and restful waters. You see, he wants you to lie down on the inside. You know, one commentary I was looking at talked about rest and peace. 
and just to summarize what, the summation of what I was reading and what I was hearing in my spirit was that the rest from, it's not a rest from activity, but rather a rest or a working together of all the harmonious affections of will, mind, emotions, imagination, and conscience. So that rest that he's speaking about, it's not you not having any activity, but can you rest, he says, your emotions. He says, can you rest in your thoughts in, in me? He makes me lie down. Can the Lord, if he, first of all, you have allowed him full ownership as your shepherd, then guess what he wants you to do? He wants you to just lie down. He wants you to lie down in your emotions and stay calm, no matter what is happening in your life or your job or anything, so that he can do what? Because when you calm down, you lie down, guess what he'll do? Then he will lead you, once again, the word lead, and to the what? Still and restful waters. Still. And in January, I took a break with Kofi, to Dubai, we were so tired, and on a Sunday, we wanted to go to church, and we realized that church was on Fridays in Dubai, not on Sunday. You probably know why. So we, Sunday morning, we both sat and we were reading, you know, and where we were sitting, we were looking at this. There's so, many, so much construction in Dubai, if you've ever been to Dubai, always building something, you know, concrete city. I still love it. And we are going mad in the shops, if you want to know why. Thank you very much. You know, but anyway, so this Sunday, no shopping, nothing. We're having a Sabbath, a rest of our emotions. That's what we went there for, you know. And I was reading a book. Actually, the book was called Present Over Perfect. And it's a great book. And it was a, really, the book is about my self-care. It's been one of the areas of my life. I'm trying to look after myself, really listening to my whole body, the whole system, you know, like calming my emotions, what I'm talking to you about. So I'm reading this book that's talking to me about calm. And then I'm looking at this water, of this water that was passing by. And I read a bit, and I look at the water. And as I look at the water, I, again, I head in my spirit. And the Lord said, you see how calm this water is, and yet it has movement. And that is what I want to do in your life, where it doesn't look like it's always chaotic and running around in here, thinking fast, what you want to do, I need to get here. It's, the water was moving, but there was still, it was still calm. And that's where he wants to take us. So sometimes the inactivity in our soul, our emotions, our will, our thoughts, we think nothing is happening. But he says that even with that, there is still movement in your life. He wants to lead you beside what? The still and stressful waters. Because you see, the peace that Jesus bequeathed to you is inside you. C come with me to um, Isaiah 32. We'll come back to Psalm 23, Isaiah 32. The kingdom that is within you. You know, because we're looking for the kingdom. We're looking for things everywhere. And the Bible says that the kingdom of God is within us. You know, it's righteousness, peace. Again, that's our word again. Peace and what? Joy and the Holy Ghost. And it's in that order. Isaiah 32, verse 17, I want to read. And the effect of righteousness will be peace, internal and what? External. That's in your house, this house, this system, your body, your whole being. And the effect of what? Righteousness. That means in knowing that you and I, that you are the right, righteousness, 
means you have rights and privileges with the Father. And the effect of knowing that you have a right and a privilege with the Father means that you have peace. That's your peace again. What? Internal and what? External. And the result of righteousness, the another outcome of that right standing with the Father will be what? Quietness and confident trust forever. That if you really, 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 really know that you are right with God, that you are, you are his child, that his unfailing love is yours, then he says you have a quiet confidence and trust forever. And verse 18 says, And my people shall dwell in peaceable habitations, in safe dwellings, and in quiet resting places. When I read this, my sense of this, verse 18, is that that quiet habitation is your body, the whole system. Your whole, that's where the, the shepherd wants stillness in the whole system. That when you know who you are, that you are right with God, then the outcome of that is what? Confident trust forever. And then you, your, your dwelling, your system, your body doesn't get shifted by what happens in your life. You receive information, you receive news, you have difficulties, but guess what? You process them back to confident trust and resting place that you hand it back to the shepherd. Amen? Amen. Let's continue this. Back to Psalm 23. How do you, this is verse 1, I put here, how do you guide somebody when they're not listening to instructions? Because sometimes we're not listening to the directions that God is giving us, or we're not, we're not tuned, we're not still enough. And, and he leads us from within. You know, the, the book that I'm reading, I'll tell you called um, Present Over Perfect. It's about really about now, staying in the now. And she said when she spoke to her mentor, in the book about her life and the pace and the frenetic pace of her life, running here, doing this, trying to make more money, do this, all of that. The person told her, stop immediately and begin to order your life from the inside out. You don't order life out in. We're not of that. He says, stop immediately. Because it's what, the Bible says what, the unction it's within us. 1 John 22, 27, I believe he says, for you have no need that anyone teach you. Because what's the unction? The, the anointing teaches you. It abides. That's the Holy Spirit. But how do you, do you not hear his voice if you're not tuning? Because he says in John 10, what? My sheep know my voice. John 10, 27. They hear my voice. You're supposed to know his voice. And even shepherds, when they, they rest and they feed their sheep and they graze, and they're about to get up and go. Guess what happens? The, the sheep only get up at the behest of the, of the voice and the sound of their shepherd. In, 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 in John 10, it says this. The sheep listen to his voice. And, and they heed it. That will be obey. And he calls his own sheep by name. God knows where you are right now. He knows where you are, not geographically, but where you are in your life. He calls each sheep by name. First, the sheep know his voice. 
Because he has put something within you and I called the Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter, the standby, the advocate, the helper. Oh, he's also a comforter, comfortist, strengthen, fortify us. And he, we, if we tune in really and hear his voice, he's calling you all the time by name. You know, sometimes that's why we hear God's voice only at night. Because that's when our soul is sleeping. That's why the psalmist says, I will instruct your reins in the night season. Because sometimes some of us are not still enough. And until that mode, but he's so generous and still wants to speak amen to us. He still wants to, to speak to us. He makes me lie down in still and restful waters. Come to Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. It's the same as he wants you to lie down. He says, come to me. So the, the rest that is promised by Jesus is, is, is on you, is predicated on you coming. You've got to come first. He says, come to me. And what, when you come to me, what does he say? He says, I, I will cause you to rest. And I will relieve and I will refresh your soul. Because that's where we get worn out. That's where the attacks come. That's where the wounding and the hurts in our life. They reside also in our soul. But he says, come to me and I will relieve. I will take it off you, he's saying, the Lord is saying. How many times hasn't he said, I stand at the door and I'm knocking? You know, and he, he calls himself the good shepherd. I'm here, I'm waiting. He says, come to me and I will what? Relieve, I will refresh and I will restore where? Your souls. Come to verse 3 of Psalm 23. Back to Psalm 23. He refreshes and restores my life. He refreshes and restores my life, myself. He leads me in the path of righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with him. Not for my earning it, but for his name's sake. You see, he wants to restore your life. But he cannot, we just read in Matthew, do that restoration, that renewal and that to refresh you, because life drains us. And he says, but come to me, and I will refresh you. And then what? And then he says, um, but I do it not because of anything you have done. He's saying the way that you live is by free grace. For my name's sake. You don't have to earn that refreshment or that. He does it for his name's sake. And, and you should read Matthew 11, 28 and 29 in the message version, if they can put it on the screen for me, because he says something like this. Jesus says, walk with me. I'm paraphrasing. You know, take a walk with me. And it says something like, and I will show you how to take a rest or something like that. I will show you the unforced rhythms of grace. That means you're not stressing. 
You're not pushing. You're not overthinking. You're not overwhelming. You're not overfeeding things. He says, I will show you the unforced rhythms of grace. Grace is free. He says, I will do it. I will lead you and make you lie down and take you in paths of righteousness. You see how many times he's talking about guidance and leading. When we don't have guidance and leading, we need to check our listening. Whether we're still enough in our soul to hear him. Are you still with me? Because you have to be still in order to hear him. Verse, th- verse 4. Yes, though I walk through the deep sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear or dread no evil, for you are with me. Your rod to protect and your staff, they comfort me. You cannot have calm and peace that Jesus has bequeathed you in your life operating. The peace is there, but for it to function, you, you ought to be doing verse 1, 2, and 3. One, re- resigning the authorship and the leadership of our lives to the good shepherd. Because when he is your shepherd, guess what? Then he leads, then he guides, then he feeds you. And then he refreshes and then he restores your soul. And with that restoration and that renewal and having been able to lie down in your emotions, you are able, when trouble comes, not to run. You just walk through the sunless valley of the shadow of death because you are with me. Because if you are truly with him, and, and you know that he's the shepherd of your soul. Guess what? When trouble, adversity come, you don't run. You know, in trauma work, as we, I work with trauma, in trauma, any event that traumatizes our souls, all trauma, in any threat, we're supposed to either run or, 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 or flee or fight back. Run is the same as fleeing. Or the third response is frozenness. And it's the frozen state that brings trauma and what we call post-traumatic stress disorder and all these things. And so even if you can walk, look at what the Bible says, that the way that he wants to lead us is that when trouble comes, we continue to walk. Jesus never promised to take us out of trouble. John 16, 33, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. But he says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world and I have deprived it of power to harm you. Nothing can harm you. I have de- he promises never to take us out of trouble. This is what he says. I will walk with you. He says, I will walk through the deep, sunless valley because you are with me. So our ability as believers to take any hit in our lives, in our families, is because he is with us, Emmanuel, God with us. And that has to be a confidence that is so de- deep and, 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 be, and beaded at the core of who we are, that God is with me. So I can take the hit. I can take any hit. Because hits will come. 
Read your Bible. We live in the days of persecution, the days of trials. Great trouble, Timothy calls, difficult to bear. But he says, you and I can take any hit because he is with you. You don't run. Neither do you freeze in traumatic state. But he says, you walk through the deep, sunless valley of the shadow of death. Somebody say amen. We will not fear. So verse 4, I put in my ear, my notes, is an outcome of when you develop that stillness in your soul. Hallelujah. Come to Habakkuk 3.19. Habakkuk 3.19. It's about trouble. Your rod, he says, to protect and your staff to guide. The shepherd always has a rod to protect the sheep and then the staff to guide and comfort. And the, the, the rod, which is like discipline, which is also the thing that he reigns in to bring the sheep when they stray. But within that, that, that reigning the sheep in, whilst you're getting to Habakkuk, is also what? Comfort. So even when we stray and he's bringing us back and he's, he's pulling the sheep back, there's also comfort. He doesn't just discipline us. You know, he comforts us, he holds us. Are you in Habakkuk 3.19? I read. The Lord God is my strength. <laughs> the Lord God is my strength. Not going to be, is my strength. My personal bravery. My invincible army. He makes my feet like what? Heinz feet. He makes your feet and my feet like what? Heinz feet. And he makes me to walk. Not to run. He makes me to walk. In, uh, in the high places of what? Trouble? What does he say? And let me read again. He makes my feet like hinds feet. And he makes me to walk. That's what I wanted to say. And not to stand still in terror. The frozen state of trauma. He makes me to walk. Not to stand still in terror. And to make what? Spiritual progress upon my high places of trouble, suffering, and responsibility. So he's acknowledging that trouble and responsibilities of life and the cares of life will come to us. But he says he will make you like your feet, like Heinz feet. He will give you the ability to scale the high places. He says he's my personal bravery. He is my what? Invincible army. Not one, army. He's with more are with you. Even when you walk through the streets of this city, I think we need to recognize that you are never alone. There is an invincible army with you. He is my, your personal bravery. He's your strength, your personal bravery. You don't have to be brave. He is your personal bravery. He is your what? Invincible army. And he always makes you walk. He always, you're walking. You're walking through. You will go through it, but you're walking through whatever trial or affliction that's coming your way. But you'll make progress. Hallelujah. Amen. Back to Psalm 23. <laughs> I bet you never read Psalm 23 this much before. I have been reading it a lot, as, as, as I shared in the last two years. Getting so much encouragement from it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
You anoint my head with oil. My brimming cup runs over. And that's what I was saying, that he's going to take care of you, of the bad things and the bad people in your life. Trouble will come. Bad things happen to good people. You know, in her book, Hannah Whittle-Smith says this, that a good many things in God's divine providences does not look like goodness to the eye. But no matter what happens in our lives, she says God is good no matter what happens. And she says, my faith sits down. Literally, my faith sits down before troubles such as this and says God is good. I will wait for his explanations. And I just love that quote. No matter what happens, he says, my faith sits down and goes through God and what he has done and who he is. And then says, even though it doesn't look like goodness, some of the events in my life and your life, he says, I will wait nevertheless for his explanations. God is good. He All the time, he's good. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 6. Surely only goodness, mercy, and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life. And through the length of my days, the house of the Lord and his presence shall be my dwelling place. So we, we, from verse 1, he wants to have authorship and leadership of our lives to be our shepherd. To feed, to guide, and to lead us, give us direction. When, as we tune and listen, then he leads us, and then he guides us, then he refreshes our souls, then he delivers us when we walk through the deep, sunless valley of trouble. And then, in verse 6, he finishes off by saying, Surely only goodness, mercy, and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life and through the length of my days. And the house of the Lord shall be, and his presence shall be my dwelling place. So he is saying, in order to maintain that peace and that calm and that stability, then this is where you live, in his presence and in the house of the Lord. That's why I said peace is not automatic. It's yours, it's within you. But you release it and you hold on to your peace and you maintain your peace when you live and abide in his presence. You know, Psalm 16, verse 11. Again, very familiar. Psalm 16, verse 11 says, And you will show me. That's the guidance. So in his presence, that like the sheep who surrender and yield the authorship of their lives to him, he says, you will show me the path of life. Not just any life, the path of life. And, and in your presence, there's what? Fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. But let me read you Acts 2.25. It's awesome. I just saw it one day in my personal devotion several months ago. I was reading the book of Acts. And, and, and I wrote it down in my journal. And it's been with me since. I want to share it with you. Put that also in your heart. Acts 2.25. For David says in regard to him, I saw the Lord constantly, not sometimes, constantly before me. For he is where? 
at my right hand and that I may not be shaken or overthrown or cast down from my secure and happy place. What's he saying? God is saying it is possible to remain unshaken. It is possible to remain secure. It is possible to be in a happy state when you set him, the Lord, at your right hand. That his presence is not sometimes where you go to. It's not when you're in church on Sunday. It's not when you are in trouble. That his presence shall be your dwelling place. People, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle to live in his presence. It's a lifestyle. This is where we live. That's who we are. We were created for connection and fellowship with the Father. And, and he's calling his people to rest. You know, rest means to be at peace. It means freedom from worry, anxiety. He wants us to just not stress like everybody else. To just live differently. You know, I, you, many of you, I mean, laugh about me about this, and my friends as well do. Why are you always smiling? Why are you always smiling? It's what is inside me that I release. It's what it comes from within me. Because sometimes it's not good, but it comes from within me. And you know, and last week when I saw my wedding video, I went, wow, God, you have preserved my smile, but it's from within for 30 years, almost 30 years of marriage, still smiling. It's from within. It's from within. You know, I shared with the young people on Friday night, I said, I said to them, this sounds silly, but I said, it's taking me to come to age 53. Every morning I say to the Lord, now I know why my grandmother and my mother read the Bible every day. <laughs> every day my grandmother read the Bible. We had to sit with her for over an hour and have this devotion. Now I know why. It's this. You are unshaking, you are secure, and you live in a happy state. Nothing moves you. Try it, as they say on the streets. Go try it. Just live in his presence. You can walk through anything. And that's the rest that he's calling us to. Come to Hebrews 4, verse 1. Is this, is this helping you? Hebrews 4. read verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still holds and is offered today, let us be afraid to, to distrust it, lest any of you should think he has come too late and has come short of reaching it. I love the Bible. I love God's grace. I mean, the, the, the two, two themes in, in, in this, these verses as we read them. First, God is, is bringing the life of the Israelites when he walked them through the wilderness to us. And then also, he's, he's talking about you and I today in a new covenant. And he's saying that there is a rest for us. But even if you've not chosen this rest, even if you've not allowed him full authorship and leadership of your life to be your shepherd, he says there is still time. Verse 2. For we indeed, for indeed we have come, we, we have had, I beg your pardon, the glad tidings of God proclaimed to us just as truly as they, the Israelites of old did, when the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith, 
with the leaning of their entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power. That is, was the missing element for them. You see, unrest or not feeling peaceful, feeling agitated, stressed out, comes also using the life of the Israelites Why they took an, an 11-day journey in 40 years. And he says, because they did not mix the word that they heard with faith. And then he defines faith, the amplifier. He says, what is faith? It's the leaning of the entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power. The leaning of the entire human personality is your soul. Because that's where your affections are. That's where your will, your mind, your emotions are. That you would trust God in absolutely confidence that God is able. That God, you're good and powerful enough to do it. God, you know what you're doing in my life. God, you know what you're doing in the earth. And God, you know what you're doing in my career. That's absolute trust and confidence. But those who heard it before, he says, they didn't mix what they heard with faith. And faith, he defines as simply trusting him. That God, you're able. Hallelujah. Verse 3, for we who have believed, that's us, we, we call ourselves believers, have adhered to and trusted in and relied on God to enter that rest in accordance with his declaration that those who did not believe should not enter in when he said, I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. And this he said, although his works had been completed and prepared and waiting for all who would believe from the foundation of the world. For in a certain place he has said this about the seventh day, this about the Sabbath, that God rests on the seventh day from all his works, and they forfeited their part in it. For in this passage they said they shall not enter my rest. Verse 6, but seeing then that that promise remains over from past times, for some to enter that rest, and that those who formerly were given the good news about it, and the opportunity failed to appropriate it, and did not enter because of disobedience. But verse 7, but again, he sets a definite day, a new today. He gives another opportunity to secure that rest. You might as well call it that peace. Saying after David that after so long a time, his words have already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Simply, simply, simply summarized, the Israelites and the people of old, they didn't believe God. It was unbelief, simply, that caused them not to rest. For them, for them, that rest was entering the physical land of Canaan. But for us in the new covenant, Jesus calls us to come into this relationship. That's why he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. He calls us to come into this new relationship and be stress-free. And he says, there's still today a rest for the people of God. He says he's giving us another opportunity. That today, you can leave all the stress. You can leave all the agitation and enter into that rest and that peace. Hallelujah. There's still rest for the people of God. Let me finish with this scripture. Come to Colossians 15, 3.15. Let's finish with that. Colossians 3.15.
I read, and let the peace, soul harmony, that's what peace is. See, the balance in your life, if you're looking for balance, is peace. Peace is your energy. Peace is your, what harmonizes your life because it keeps your head straight on, your thoughts, your emotions switched on so you can trust God. Let the peace, the, the soul harmony, where? Which comes from Christ, rule and act as umpire continually. It means let the peace that Christ bequeathed to us, let him be your shepherd, let his peace rule as umpire continually where? In your hearts. That's your soul, your center. Let peace, he says, be the deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state. I'm sure you have questions in your mind over some of your trials. I'm sure you have questions in your mind about things that have happened to some good people. But he says, let my peace settle it, settle it with peace. Let it be that which word, rule. Let it always come on top. So whenever things happen, let the peace that I bequeath, that I bestowed, that I put into your spirits before I left, just always let it come to the fore, let it rise. Let the emotions go down, let peace rise. That's how you hold your peace. That's how you maintain your peace. When you allow that soul harmony, are you getting this, to be the final thing? Let peace settle everything. And that peaceful state to which he says you are members of Christ's one body, and to which you were also called to live. Be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. Peace is ours. He calls it our soul harmony. That that's what will harmonize our lives. If you're looking for balance this morning, you're looking for calm this morning, don't lose your peace. Peace it's already yours. And I believe that's what the Lord wanted me to share with us. And in this coming month, we're going to be looking at things that steal our peace as well. My peace, he says, I bequeath to you. Let peace settle everything. Any questions in your mind this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. We trust you were blessed by today's message. And if you would like to sow into our ministry, you can visit our website to give a donation. God bless you. Make sure you subscribe to our channel to hear more messages.